Uh, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Toby Usnick from The Caring Economy. I'm thrilled today to have my colleague and friend, Laura Zelenko from Bloomberg LP. Laura is a senior executive editor at Bloomberg. She's a veteran there, quite frankly, and I'm looking forward to talking about, in particular, something that she's helped champion called New Voices. Um, so with no further ado, Laura, welcome, and let's just jump right into it. How are you today? Good, thanks for having me. Of course. Laura, uh, you and I met through some of your colleagues at Bloomberg Philanthropies, a different part of the Bloomberg empire. Um, but nonetheless, they brought us together. And then I learned through uh, Rebecca Carriero that you were doing this great initiative, leading an initiative out of the newsroom at Bloomberg called New Voices. We wanna talk about that during this half hour because my readers and uh, audience rather will really appreciate it. Um, but I'd like to start even more basically than that and just tell us a little bit about you who are you? How did you get there? You've been there for nearly three decades. There's got some kind of draw to the brand that has held you there. So give us a little overview of Laura Zelenko. And in particular, if you can talk about some of your pivots in your career, the moves you took left instead of right or up versus down um, would be really helpful. Sure. Well, when you say three decades, that that's that makes my makes me a little nervous there. But yes, it has been. I've been at Bloomberg 27 years. I actually started in 1993 in Prague, at that time it was still Czechoslovakia. Um, I had I was a journalist in the US and had a, a lot of background in Eastern Europe um, in my academic uh, background. And I was very eager to uh, go to um, Prague after the uh, wall fell. And um, it, I was freelancing and there was this company and I never heard of before looking for uh, freelancers in Eastern Europe uh, called Bloomberg. Um, they were, at that time, they only had three uh, bureaus in Europe, um, uh, Paris, Frankfurt, and London. And um, I was hired there um, along with my boyfriend at the time, actually. We were both hired and started reporting on um, Eastern Europe and um, very quickly opened up all of our offices. Um, the first offices in Eastern Europe um, hired the staff. Um, that was you. That was, yeah, yeah, we did all of that, and um, in 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 Prague and Warsaw and Budapest, and then um, wrote about how the um, you know the revival of capitalism in that part of the world, the reopening of the stock markets, the um, return of brokerages, um, and Bloomberg became. Um, very influential there very quickly in that, at that period. And by 1998, I was asked to, we were asked to move to Russia um, because the story um, had, the, the important economic story, the important financial story had pivoted um, very quickly to Russia where uh, there was about to be a major financial crisis. If you remember, Russia defaulted mm -hmm. on $40 million of bonds in um, on August 17th, uh, 1998, I, I'll never forget that day. I was the only one in the office. Um, and uh, we were there for three years. When we came back, uh, and I would say Bloomberg at that time was really a startup. We were growing very quickly. I, I very qu quickly moved from reporter to editor to manager. Mm -hmm. When we came back to the, and, and, and gained experience in emerging markets. When we came back to the US, I was put in charge of our Latin America coverage. Mm -hmm. And um, the first big story there was the Argentine, uh, Argentina default. So um, I, have a, I have an incredible expertise in defaults. Um, I um, have worked with uh, you know, most of our reporters in emerging markets um, over the years. I ran all sorts of other coverage after that from starting our emerging markets um, team globally to our finance coverage, our, our, our global business coverage, our markets coverage, our um, 
uh, overall beat reporting globally at one point. And um, three years ago, two and a half years ago now, um, our editor-in-chief, John Micklethwaite, um, asked me to, to uh, take on a role to accelerate our diversity initiatives in the newsroom. Mm -hmm. And he, um, you know, I realized at that time, I think partly from my experience in terms of, you know, being a manager, being a woman, um, uh, leading teams, um, directing coverage, that um, we couldn't ac accelerate our diversity initiatives if that role wasn't under the umbrella of our standards Yep. Um, of our training and of our, our talent, which includes our, our internship um, and sort of retention uh, efforts. So I'm currently um, still in the newsroom, but taking on a much diff more uh, different role. And that's, um, you know, hopefully applying all I've learned. Um, yes, an umbrella role, sort of. Mm -hmm. So um, I worked at the New York Times for five years as director of public relations. So I have an appreciation for the, the newsroom versus the business side. Um, but for our audience, why don't you just share a little bit of, contextualize it if you could, because managing people is a great gift, a talent, uh, an opportunity, which you've, you've done adroitly, but um, you've also, your efforts straddle both the business side and the newsroom side. So can you tell us a little bit about what that means? I mean, I, I guess to the extent that, um you know, our newsroom is part of our overall business. I mean, I, I am a journalist, I work in the newsroom and um, I'm part of our editorial uh, team. Um, you know, we are, the news division of Bloomberg is, um, you know, a, a very important part of the overall terminal product, um, which includes financial data um, as well as news. And so, um, you know, to the extent I'm, 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 a, I'm an important part of the overall uh, company in the business side, but, but I am a journalist and I work in the newsroom. Mm -hmm. And the initiatives we're, we're working on are um, to help make sure our coverage is um, as fair and balanced and um, um, accurate and, and all that as, as it can be, um, because that's what our clients are, are depending on. And do you, um, so you, what you have done, let's move right into new voices because what you and your team have done there from the newsroom initiative, I think is of incredible interest to business people who are your clients as well as those who aren't subscribers to the terminal because you're taking a major um, challenge, which is also an opportunity to start out with women voices, but you've really said how, as I understand it, how can we, increase the representation of women voices in our pages, in our programming. And in a classic Bloomberg way, you did a data-driven analysis and continue to use data to measure your impact. So tell us a little bit about um, New Voices and the history and what it is. So, you know, Bloomberg is, is a, our main, our, most of our, our, our coverage is, 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 you know, we're very financially focused. We, we write about the financial markets. We write about economics. We write about business um, as well as, as, as many other areas. And, um, you know, we have found, and we realized this over the years, that our sources, who we're quoting in our stories, are very typically um, men and we're, who we're putting on TV uh, tend to be white men. This is not unusual for any media company, um, but um, for every effort that we made to try to impact that for the purpose of improving our coverage, for improving the perspectives, for making sure that we weren't missing important stories as those industries were changing, um, 
we wanted to see really where were we in terms of quoting uh, uh, women and other underrepresented um, uh, experts and, and, and where were we in terms of the guests. So we actually, at the, in early 2018, we, we took stock of the, of the numbers and it turned out 10, only 10% 10 of our guests on TV globally were women which put another way means that 90% of our guests uh, were men. And that's just, uh, you know, by any measure isn't, isn't balanced and it isn't um, necessarily um, doing the best that we, that we could do. We also found that in our stories that were, that were featured on our top pages or our front page, uh, that a, a much a lower percentage were quoting or citing female experts. So it helped to have a baseline there um, to hold our, our, our staff accountable and we realized that the, the challenges were both on our side as a news organization, as well as on, you know, I, I guess I would say the supply side, which are the, the, the banks and the, and the businesses that we cover in terms right. of who, who were being pushed forward to us and how hard we were working to adjust that. So we, we went out to do three things. One was to build a, a database um, that um, uh, with some of the technology we have at Bloomberg was, was possible to create globally um, uh, for women expert, female experts, and that that is now uh, has grown to more than 5,600 people, um, and growing. Um, we also developed tracking tools so that that um, you know uh, over you know as as we made progress, we could actually report that out, and we could hold our managers accountable. And um, and then we wanted to be really intentional about addressing the issue of um, finding the experts that our bookers were saying they couldn't find or that they weren't being presented to by the by the firms or that when they did find women um, who said, well, I'd love to come on TV. I just don't have the training. I'm not comfortable. And that's when we launched this New Voices Media Training um, Initiative that has uh, now gone uh, global in uh, 10 cities globally. Um, and I can I can explain that in more detail. Um, and um, we actually have just expanded that to include a cohort of black executives in the US because our intention is to go beyond uh, the gender challenge and really address all underrepresented um, sourcing in our coverage. And we're gonna come back to that. Ladies and gentlemen, again, we're with Senior Executive Editor, Laura Zelenko from Bloomberg LP. Uh, Laura, when you talked about those three-point initiatives for uh, New Voices, the database, you're now up to 5,600 in about two years. And what was that at the start, approximately? We had about 500 names at the, at the beginning, and that was mostly uh, built by our Asia colleagues. Um, you know, I think that we have tried to address this challenge, as have many media organizations, in fits and starts over the years. Yep. One of the reasons why um, those efforts um, aren't successful, um, and I think I think the latest numbers on on women quoted on front pages is somewhere in the low twenty percent range. So this is a this is a, a challenge across the industry. But one re one reason why it doesn't stick is because you build a database, but you don't have the infrastructure to keep it updated. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that, that, that's a big issue or you don't have the technology or the, um, uh, to actually hold yourself accountable by collecting the data. Mm -hmm. And uh, we at Bloomberg were fortunate that the, the terminal itself has a huge database of profiles for anyone quoted in our story. So we were able to tap into that mm -hmm. and, um, you know, isolate the, the female experts that we, were, that we that were bringing on and keep building on that in that way. And we can look through that database for where the person works, what uh, what their areas of expertise are, what what they can speak to, um, 
you know, uh, whether they're on the board, whether they, you know, all sorts of all sorts of metrics related to that person to help us with our with our programming. And Laura, you, you mentioned that, uh, well, can you, um, I know there's confidential information, but is there any way you can quantify the kind of investment that required either financially or headcount or? You know, I, um, I'm very lucky and I, and I want to mention his name. Hopefully he hears this, but my, my colleague, Stephen Grove has been the driving force behind this. I have, you know, an incredible, uh, small, but incredible staff that has, is passionate about this. And, yep. um, he has he has made sure that he's tapping into our newsroom to keep this going, keep this updated, and make sure that um, our bookers and our journalists are continuing to prioritize this. Remember that we have a, a, a global newsroom of more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, so it's a very robust uh, workforce that um, that that we have to tap into. It doesn't require additional uh, resources. We just need to make we need to hold ourselves accountable. And explain to the journalists why this is so important for our coverage and for balance and for uh, and for you know really um, uh, having the best coverage that we can have. What what is approximately what's the gender split in your newsroom of those twenty five hundred? Um, I don't know that we we have we have gone. Um, I don't know how much of this is, has gone public. I think we have um, talked about the the newsroom is is more than forty percent female at this point globally. Right on the reporting level, um, you know, as is common with many newsrooms, we're, we're, we're around parity. Um, but we have, the ch we have challenges like, like all newsrooms have in terms of um, the, the upper levels, and we've been making progress over the years, and I think I'm, yep. I'm an example of that. Um, and Absolutely. we're pushing hard, and I think, you know, it's important to talk about when you want to make sure your coverage is as balanced and fair, and that your story discussions are as, um, are bringing in as many perspectives as, as they can. That that includes both good representation in your workforce as well as good representation in your sourcing. Yeah. And we try to approach it in both ways. Right. So you um you talk in your your three prong point. You mentioned the intentionality, which I think is really so critical here. What are we as brands trying to really achieve and hold ourselves accountable? Um, you talk about finding talent and working with the bookers, the bookers working with these organizations. Do you have any fun vignettes you could share about where, in fact, you identified the talent, even maybe you needed to train the talent, a woman at, say, a big bank, and yet there was still an obstacle that prevented her from actually being the one because either the boss is like, oh, I can handle this, or mm, she's not really ready. I mean, because it's a, it's a really deep-seated cultural challenge, uh, a change that you're trying to affect here. It's absolutely deep-seated, and it's been fascinating to watch how this has impacted uh, the institutions and, and really helped evolve the, 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 the problem. I have lots of examples. I'll, I'll give you some, and I'll, I'll keep the firms confidential. But sure. I would say, you know, in, in, in every case, when we have, you know, the women that have come into this program, um, I'm always stunned that they have been off our radar. Yes. So many, uh, in, uh, really in every case, they're incredibly um, um, experienced, um, knowledgeable um, experts in their field, present well on TV after they've had the training or, you know, in, in some cases um, had, had done some media before. Um, and I don't know how they were off our radar. So that's always sort of a, a real a surprise wow. to me. And I think once the firms see some of these people on TV, I think it's been a surprise to uh, some of the folks in PR as well, which is that we've seen so many of the same faces. I think now there's really um, an understanding that if you care about how your firm is represented, um, mm -hmm. 
uh, within the firm, then you have to care about how that how your firm is represented externally. It reflects on the firm. It reflects reflects on the company. So there's a there's a situation. There was a woman who was at a um, she had been a managing director at Goldman, um, and she went and, and worked for a smaller hedge fund. In the past, in the past, we wouldn't necessarily bring on. Um, portfolio managers from smaller firms. We tend to look at the bigger firms and 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 look at you know the, the certain metrics that we were holding ourselves to. She may not have been on our radar. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, went through the program. Um, is now a regular on uh, Bloomberg TV. She's so skilled at actually doing interviews with our with our anchors. And I think the firm has actually given her her own podcast now. She's much you know she's doing wow. all these things. And she comes back and says that this really kind of um, you know, jump-started her career in ways that she would have never thought. And I think that that's interesting. I think in other cases, um, people have found that, that they go back to the bank or they go back to the company and, you know, there's still this, you know, culture inside that, you know, certain people expect to be, you know, given the opportunity to go on TV and they've had to work and, and, and push um, and in some cases, we've had to do follow-up conversations uh, with the firms to explain what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. And I think the more examples that you have where, you know, these w- female experts get on TV and they don't blow themselves up as they're speaking, they, you know, there's not some big crisis, you know, mm-hmm. you know that it's like it's all okay. And actually, it, it's really helping the firm in terms of how they're, how they're being represented, mm-hmm. that there's, it's been a lot easier to pave over some of those yeah. issues. But I would say that those challenges are both in the U.S. and in the U.K. and in Hong Kong and in Sydney. You know, we're in Dubai, we're in Mumbai, we're in yep. Singapore. It is a common issue. And um, so, you know, our goal has been to impact this uh, consistently uh, globally. Great. Uh, ladies and ge- gentlemen, again, we are with Laura Zelenko, who's a senior executive editor at Bloomberg. Um, I'm going to ask you, Laura, to tell us the full title because it underscores really how much you have under your under your remit. Yeah. It's so, senior executive editor. Senior executive editor for talent diversity uh, standards and training. Um, if anyone out there has a better idea of how to get all of that into one bucket in a in a in a catchier way, I'm open to those suggestions. Um, but um, you know, I really felt that. You know, standards is is you know a really important job in a newsroom to make sure our coverage is fair and balanced. And I don't think you can address that without addressing the challenges of diversity. Yeah. And you can't really address the talent, the challenges of diversity, if you're not thinking carefully about how you're recruiting and how you're training and retaining your talent. So that's that's sort of why that's in one bucket, and um, it's been it's been effective. Yeah, you know, the, I remember working so closely with Al, our, our standards editor at the New York Times. And the thing about that function, that commitment is, I think it is about continual enhancement and that we can all be learning all the time, everything from grammar to diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, Laura, I love, I wrote about in The Caring Economy about uh, this open source concept. And it seems to me that that's part of your secret success, secret to success there at Bloomberg in that um, clearly, everyone knows his or her role. You're in the newsroom. You've got your companies, these banks, organizations you follow. And then you have Conan Wolf, I believe, is the agency of record that's helping you with the media training. Um, so you're all coming together with this shared purpose of trying to increase the coverage of women uh, with women. Um, and it's working. And you've been multiplying the, the, um, the cities where you're rolling it out. 
and now adding more than just gender to the mix, right? You're going to stay committed to that and growing that, but you're also in a George Floyd Black Lives Matter era, taking on an even larger remit. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, and I would say I, I should point out that we are now at about 26% female representation from our outside guests. So we've more than doubled our representation, and it's just not good enough still. And, that, and that's been, you know, pushing and being very intentional. Um, you know, we need to make similar progress, as I said, with other underrepresented groups, and we're going to continue to push that way. I think we know that our, 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 our TV um, is, is the most visible um, um, representation of our, of our coverage. And so, mm -hmm. you know, people do see that and it's something important for us to focus on. But I think more broadly, the newsroom understands that um, we're missing stories if we're not diversifying our sources. And yep. you, you see these kinds of efforts. I mean, the New York Times has done a lot of great work um, um, in terms of its coverage as well. And I know that there's a, a, a nice newsletter coming out in her words uh, where, you know, there, that the way of addressing it there is just keep quoting women, just have a newsletter that actually quotes women. You have a new, a new news organization called the 19th.org that is a women-led news organization. Um, you know, there are different ways that, that companies are addressing this. The BBC has its 50-50 initiative, uh, mm -hmm. which aims to get 50% representation on TV. Um, so I think, you know, I don't think we're alone in this. Um, I just think that we, um, we've recognized our own challenges given um, the areas of coverage that we're focused on uh, tend to be very male dominated industries and it's, and it's challenging. Um, and it's also challenging to get um, reporters who are very experienced in the field to like think differently about how they're going to find stories, who they're going to talk to, understanding that, um, that if you don't talk to these female fund manager, you may be missing the people who are actually beating the market better than anyone. And if you don't talk to these business, these uh, minority business owners, you may be missing a really important story that's impacting um, uh, business in a certain community. So, you know, I think it's, it's, it's all an evolution of just how to do better journalism. Mm -hmm. So uh, Laura, for our listeners who are either business leaders or aspiring business leaders, um, what's the best way to come at Bloomberg for either career opportunities or story ideas related to this type of effort? Well, first of all, I would say that we have a, a website, uh, www.bloomberg.com backslash new voices. And there you can read more about the new voices program. There's also an application there. We will be continuing this in the next year. Um, in at least eight cities globally, as well as our cohort of black executives in the US. Um, um, and, um, you know, so far those cities have included New York, Washington, San Francisco, London, um, and, and I think several other cities that I already mentioned. So um, that's one place just by applying to the program, we get your name and information about you and we can put you in our database and very often the bookers may just want to reach out in any case because they find um, the, the people that are uh, applying so interesting, um, even if you don't go through the training. Um, and I'm happy to to give my email, lzelenko at bloomberg.net. Um, I'm always happy to get story ideas or suggestions or you know any kind of um, feedback that you have. I'm on LinkedIn um, and Twitter. Um, so always happy to, to get the feedback. 
Terrific. Um, I want to ask you after a, a large part of my career in communications and uh, news media, it seems to me that Twitter is the only way now to really engage with journalists. The idea of writing a press release and actually emailing it or phoning it into a journalist today, today strikes me as absurd. Um, but tell me, is that a fair statement or how do you, how do you really receive incoming these days? You know, it's, I think it's just one of many ways that it's coming in. It's coming in fast and furious that way. Clearly we have, we have new processes in the newsroom for, um, for um, monitoring all sorts of social uh, uh, media. And um, we, we have a team, our breaking news team is, you know, they're all about just headlining off of, you know, uh, social media and other websites that we have to monitor, you know, 24 seven. And in some cases we've been able to automate some of that. Um, there's a lot of technology now built into the, the efforts that, you know, way back when we were, um, you know, weren't the case, you know, the, the days of going to um, yes, uh, government offices to pick up, you know, to, to pick up the press release and you know, all that it, it, it's quite different, but you know, I wouldn't say that, you know, I still get phone calls from PR folks all the time or emails. And I think there's lots of ways, you know, I think, with, you know, you've got to kind of pitch as much as you can if you want to, you know, yep. be heard. But I, I think that it's much more challenging um, uh, to stay competitive. And I think that, that technology is playing a big part in that. All right. Uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, we have Laura Zelenko, the senior executive editor from Bloomberg. Laura, um, our, our final thought from you, do you want to give any sort of words of encouragement, lessons learned to any any leader or young aspiring leader about um, diversity and inclusion and access and, and how to really make sure that we become that change that we all aspire to? Well, you know, from, from, from my viewpoint, I, I think it's about amplifying your own voice. If you, you know, especially when it comes to female leaders, um, leaders of color, um, that, um, that it's, that we have opportunities to be the examples for, uh, for the next generation. And I know for myself in the media, I realize my responsibility in that area is to make sure that I'm broadening out, um, uh, the people that I'm, I'm going after. And I think that, um, the companies, I think we're, um, you know, the, the, the businesses themselves need to recognize the importance of helping um, lift those leaders and give them the opportunities to amplify their voices. You know, I hear so much from women, um, you know, during this process, I've heard so much from women who will say, yeah, I, I really, I'm, I'm part of the women's group at my company and I care a lot about this, but you know, you're not going to get me on TV. No way. I'm mm -hmm. not doing it. And, you know, after half an hour conversation, I've convinced them to, to join the program and, um, and then they all of a sudden realize the impact on their career of just sort wow. of speaking out. So I think, you know, I understand the hesitation. I don't feel that comfortable on TV either, but I, I'll do it if asked and I'll, I'll speak now on your podcast. I think it's important to get the word out. And, um, you know, I think again, you know, it, it's a, it's an, it, it's a, a common phrase, but you know, you can only be what you can see. And, you know, I have two kids and I, I feel very strongly that they need to, um, to see more of us, um, amplifying our voices because it matters. Thank you so much, Laura Zelenko, for joining us here on The Caring Economy. And please come back. We want to see how this continues in the coming years. And um, again, our gratitude to Laura Zelenko, Senior Executive Editor at Bloomberg. Thank you. Bye now.